We have always described this as trans people are magic. I would love to inhabit a world where we didn't have gender on all of our identification documents. You you are allowed joy. In fact, that's your birthright. No, it wasn't a choice. I was born that way. I'm like, it is partially a choice. I choose. I choose. <laughs> Be who I am as fully and as clearly as possible. How's your gender? What's your pronoun? You can be square and also round. We're taking a trip to Gender Town. How's your gender? Let's have a sit down. Welcome to How's Your Gender, the podcast where we talk about gender. Thanks for tuning in to season two. I'm your host, Wesley Flash. I'm a writer community historian, and witch about town. I want to begin by naming that this episode was recorded and produced on unceded land of the Lenape in an area now called Philadelphia. Also, as you listen, please keep in mind that the views expressed in each episode are the speaker's own. Today we're talking about family. I'm so grateful that my friend Buzz and their mom, Allison, were open to sharing their unique, personal, and familial experiences with us. Buzz Slutsky is an artist working in Brooklyn, New York, and Allison Slutsky is a former social worker slash therapist living in the Berkshires. Hi, my name is Buzz Slutsky. My pronouns are they, them. I'm an artist and writer and performer and educator. And Allison is my mom. I'm Allison Slutsky. I'm a wife, a mother, a friend, a former graphic designer. I do a lot of photography. I'm a social worker and a retired therapist, but I still practice as a volunteer at a nonprofit. And I'm a newly empowered democratic activist. Okay, let's start with a fun question. Buzz, did you have a bat mitzvah? I did have a bat mitzvah. It was in 2001. What was I the think, theme? I knew you're going to ask this. I think that I was a little bit like judgmental of people that had themes because I was like this isn't supposed to be about being ostentatious. It's supposed to be about like coming of age. My mom is giving me a thumbs up cuz I think that was like the family line, but you know, it is like you're presenting yourself to your community in a certain way. So for sure we got dressed up and got our hair done and everything. And then, so there was a party favor for the kids that were teddy bears that had little ribbons around their necks that had Buzz's bat mitzvah printed on it. And then I did a toy drive because you're supposed to do like a mitzvah. So I did a toy drive and I collected stuffed animals and donated them to like a children's hospital or something. So it was like kind of teddy bears, but not really. Because we were like, it was like a critique of themes, but like a tiny theme, tiny bit of a theme. Also my, my parents, before I was born, my baby naming him, or sorry, right after I was born, my baby naming announcement was a teddy bear wearing retro Marx glasses. I think that, of course, I was just a little newborn. Nobody really knew about my personality, but I think that's pretty accurate. 
What do you think, mom? Yeah, you're, I felt like the theme was your mitzvah project. Yeah. Allison, did you have a bat mitzvah? No. Really? Yeah. So I belong to a reform congregation and uh, no girl had had a bat mitzvah yet. And I started studying with a rabbi with the boys, learning to read Hebrew, and it got very hard. And I felt like I couldn't do it, so I dropped out. And nobody said to me, oh, we'll help you get through this. We'll help you do it. So I think I was also scared to be the first girl in the congregation. Wow, I didn't know about that. I thought it still wasn't allowed. A few years later, another girl did it. And I'm like, well, I could have done that. But uh, so I was... 12 in 1969 so it was a different time period i just find that so fascinating that that you were in that class allison and all the gender dynamics involved at that time totally totally but you know like when i look back on it you know my parents didn't say to me this is something you can do this would be cool to do i think they were kind of clueless too you know they didn't have a role model of having a girl have a bat mitzvah. So I maybe it scared them a little bit. I don't know. Nobody said they would help me study. Nobody said that they wanted me to do it. But the rabbi, I remember when I would walk, as we would walk from place to place during Sunday school, at one point I would see the rabbi and he would call me his little scholar. Do you remember when you were raising your children, was it really important for you to make sure that they had Bat mitzvahs? So I knew it was important for my husband, Richard, Bez's dad. He grew up conservative. You know, we were in a congregation where, you know, just everybody, all the kids were getting bar and bat mitzvah. So it wasn't like you had to be an outlier and be a norm breaker. And and I'm very proud of both my kids that they had bat mitzvahs because it's a lot of work. It's also, I feel like in our congregation, it was a very like social thing. Like you went to everybody else's bar and bat mitzvahs and you saw each other like every weekend or every other weekend. And it was a very like tight knit time in the, in our community, I feel like. And you were there to celebrate each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a ton of like rituals that the kids did outside of the like Jewish part where at the party, like you gather candles and cups and like little objects from the party and you make what's called a memory glass do you know what this wesley no it's like you you put all the little objects in the in the glass and then you put water in it and then you use wax to seal it off and it's a little bit of like a rite of passage of like oh i'm old enough to use you know something like candles and then it's you have this like gross object that like gets moldy, but it's it's like, you know, there's all these little parts of it, at least in New Jersey in the early 2000s. <laughs> I don't know what kids do these days, but it's- well, I'm glad there was a fun social element to it. Buzz, do you remember a gendered element to it that was that came up for you, or even maybe in retrospect? Yeah, well, it was like the intersection of like gender and and kind of ethnicity I guess where it was a time when like Jewish women and girls were really like straightening their hair if they had curly hair like Sarah Jessica Parker had a moment with that with Sex and the City it was kind of like like people were always asking each other like oh are you gonna chemically straighten your hair are you gonna 
it was kind of like something that people talked about. Yeah, I straightened my hair for, you know, the day of, or I guess the day before, like for the weekend. And I think we all got our nails done or something. Like there was definitely some like, we're gonna have these like beauty experiences because it's a special time. I mean, of course, like anytime you pick out clothing for anything, there's always gender happening. But yeah, one of the little anecdotes in my video, Clothes Feelings, which is about my experience of clothing over time, is that I picked out this like Jessica McClintock floor length dress that was like navy blue, just kind of like very plain. And I think it's like, in retrospect, it was kind of like, I just wanted to like hide my body or something. Like, I think that, like, I, I wanted to feel special, but I also, you know, you're 12 years old you feel self-conscious. And I remember on the day of, I felt very like overwhelmed with all the attention in a way that was a little uncomfortable. Like I, it was, it was like thrilling in a way, like there's a ritual in a, a lot of, uh, you know, conservative or reform synagogues where after the kid, the bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah kid, b'nai mitzvah kid um, finishes their haftorah portion, which is like the last thing they basically have to do while it's happening they're passing out these like soft candies that are like fruity candies and little plastic wrappers and at the end everyone throws it at you while they're singing a song and so there was a moment where like I finished everything I had to do I look up and there's all this candy like in the air like it kind of felt like suspended in the air for a moment before it all came and hit me and it was kind of cool like just as like an art installation or something like just as a performance event I don't know, but that was like kind of the highlight, I think. And then when you cool. go around and like say hi to everyone, it's like, oh, like stop talking to me. I'm 12 years old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's fun to dance with your friends or whatever. I was thinking about the past couple of days and thinking about your bat mitzvah, that it's probably really smart that Jews have the ceremony when they do, because mm-hmm. if the kids get any older, as teenagers rolling their eyes, they probably wouldn't want to do it. So, but they're just old enough to not be like a little kid, you know, they're, they're like, just, but still kind of mature a little bit. Right. Basically welcoming them as an adult into the community, you know, but then it's to. funny because you're like, well, I'm bat mitzvah. That means I'm an adult. And they're <laughs> like, no, you're not like, you still have to listen to us. Like we're in the United States and like, you, like you're not going to be an adult until you're 18. You know, it's so funny. Yeah, I thought I wanted to ask the question mostly uh, like in thinking about this podcast being about gender. I was like, oh, well, one, it's a gendered thing, right? There's a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. Or a b'nai, then, which is gender neutral. And It's plural or it's like the they them of bat mitzvahs or bar mitzvahs. Okay, so that that can that's probably in newer though I would imagine it's a newer thing. It used to be that you would only call it a benet if it was multiple kids having it at the same time. Like if it was a really big like reform synagogue, you know, it's just a little different. Like some of the rules are just different, and it's more there's just more people usually. Okay, wow, I have like so many questions, but I wanted to ask the question also because I think or talk about it because I think and what you just said, Allison, like that particular age is also a time in which I think people are people especially who are queer and trans are coming more into themselves and their understanding of themselves Mm. and so yeah yeah, I just it's like interesting to hear about and and I'm curious Buzz another question that's coming to me right now is like with this other term b'nai mitzvah 
when you are retelling the story of of mm. your do you would you call it a b'nai mitzvah now like should I have called it that instead of a bat mitzvah or or did that fit your gender at the time and that's why do you know what I mean that is an but, excellent question it's an amazing question because I think that as trans people we do get to choose like how we talk about ourselves like you might have noticed I called myself buzz even though that wasn't my name at the time I do th it's funny though because it's so random like what things get to maintain like their original verbiage verbiage whereas like I feel like like I feel like bat mitzvah feels like comforting to me whereas if I were like calling it a bar mitzvah or b'nai mitzvah I would feel like I was lying but I don't feel like I'm lying if I say it was buzz because mm. that feels resonant with me I think yeah. that's how gender is it's like it's it's kind of one of those things that's just like beyond language, I think. This seems like a big question now, but like Buzz, how would you describe your gender today? How would I describe my gender today? I identify as, well, what's interesting is I used to identify as genderqueer back when mm. that was the language people were using before the word non-binary really became a phenomenon. Um, so I guess now I identify as non-binary because it makes me feel connected to other people who also have that identity. And it makes me feel like I'm not like outdated or something, but it's not that I don't identify as genderqueer. It's just a different time. It's just from a different era, I feel like, but I'm definitely trans. I think, you know, I identify as like a homosexual, gay, non-binary person who's also queer and trans. I'm curious, did you come out to your parents as genderqueer? I guess so. Do you remember that, um, Allison? Yeah, I think you did. I remember a line being drawn with putting male on one side and female on the other. And Buzz was a dot in the middle. And Dane was like a, a little centimeter over. Yeah, close to the middle, but close, but more on the male side. Okay, I, Dane's name has come up a couple times. Yeah. So he is in here, but Dane is your sibling. Buzz's sibling, yes. your older sibling. Yes. And Dane, I'm guessing, came out first? Yes, and, and kind of. I feel okay. like is Like, technically, Dane was further ahead than I was on the identity journey, but we had the conversation with our parents kind of at the same time. Like we, like he was like, I need to do this. And I was like, me too, kind of thing, which kind of followed with our birth order vibe, like our birth order dynamic. So but did you have the conversation together was... at the same time? Yes. In wow. Portland, Oregon. So we were, we were on vacation uh, visiting where Dane lived at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Bez was with us. Uh -huh. And Dane said, you know, I want to tell you something. And Dane started explaining how he felt. And then Buzz was, we were all around a table and, you know, Richard was there. And then Buzz said, and I feel the same way. And I, I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> like it was surprising. And my dad was like, God, really? Come on. Like my, my was, dad was like, oh my God, this is like too much all at once. But it was a lot know, to have both your around. kids coming out at one time, but it's fine. I mean, I'm happy. Both Buzz and Dane asked, I'm not sure if it was a year ahead, to call them the names that they have now. 
So we did it and we didn't ask any questions though. We didn't say, where's this coming from? So my feeling was if the person you love wants to be called and identified a certain way, you should just do it. So I didn't question anything. I feel like my life in general, I've had a number of situations that happened that kind of helped me in this journey as a mother. Um, when I was going into labor with Dane and I was at home having contractions, back then TV just had so many channels. You know, there wasn't like cable and very sophisticated. And um, so I stayed up. I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't sleep and it was nighttime. So I watched Tootsie all night for oh two my hours. God. And, <laughs> and so, you know, it's just kind of funny that I feel like my life is a little bit like a fairy tale story of gender, of becoming a mom of two kids who are trans. I know I just have things like this in my life. Wow. wow. What a birth story for Dane. <laughs> That's amazing. Even, I mean, to be fair, like Tootsie isn't about someone who is like finding their true gender right. in a different gender than they were assigned. But it is like a story of someone who wants to be respected and loved for who. Yeah. It's also, know. I think it's like a, a cultural touchstone mm -hmm. without any judgment about what it actually is about, but it gives you a introduction to the possibility that gender is more than what you have been taught your whole life. Right. Yeah. And then to have two children eventually yeah. be like, Hey, surprise. Let yeah. me teach you about my gender that I'm learning and I want to share with you because I want right. to be in on it. Um, after Buzz and Dane came out, Richard and I both had the reaction that we love our kids we want whatever makes them happy. And so we said, okay, that's cool. But I think we kind of, it took a while for us to really understand. The word transgender wasn't even like a word that people knew back then. It was a very new concept for us. And we didn't really have other role models. And it wasn't until both kids transitioned in whatever way they felt comfortable that we saw how happy they were. And we were like, you know what? This is like no big deal. You know, this is like, we want our kids to be happy and we're happy that they're happy and this is great. So I, but I think externally we tried to be as supportive as we could, but I think we understood it more once we saw the transition happen. Buzz, did you, have to do any teaching up to your parents about this or did you kind of just be like this is who I am go figure it out yeah I think for sure because you know unlike Dane there weren't as many like signs you know I was so into femme stuff when I was a kid I was really into like I loved carrying around little purses and bracelets and like I and it's still I, I still identify as some kind of femme, not the same, you know, femme means different things to different people, but I'm definitely not, not femme. I'm not like a butch person per se. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very confusing. Maybe I can be butch and femme. There wasn't really like a way of looking back on my childhood and creating a consistent story of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like Buzz has always been 
on the softball team or like like I, I was on the top softball team I was in the back staring at the sky and not <laughs> running after the ball you know <laughs> so definitely my, I definitely remember my mom being like it was so awkward and painful but it was also cool where she was like tell me your story like she basically was asking me to share with her like my truth and what my experience was of my gender and so that was part of the impetus for closed feelings actually my video piece mm. I came out I changed my name the summer of 2010 like around the time I turned 22 and then you know changed my name on Facebook mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then came out to my parents with Dane in 2011 so I think it took me a while to really figure out how to tell that story to my mom and to anyone. And I think for me, I really struggled with this dominant narrative within trans culture at the time, which was, I was always like this. And mm -hmm. I, um, you know, Janet Mock's book, Redefining Realness, as great as it is, and as awesome and sex worker positive and, you know, anti-racist and everything as it is, I did feel like it had that narrative of I was always like this. And I thought, I kind of felt like that made it really easy for cis people to understand trans people who felt more connected to ideas of maleness and femaleness. But for those of us who were still not as visible within the culture, trans culture and US culture, I think who, who had maybe had gender change changes over time or, or non-binary or genderqueer identities, I was kind of like, well, I can't really say that I was always like this. So I realized that small anecdotes were really the way to go for me. And they didn't have to be connected in any sort of linear fashion. And it all just kind of came out in the way it needed to. I love that I met you during that time. I think we met in what, 2010? No, we met in November or December of 2009. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So we met when you were really in, in the sense of like figuring this out. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Also... You were the first gay trans man I ever met. Okay. And change, it changed everything for me. I was like, oh, you don't have to be a man that wants to date women. Like, you can just be your gay little self. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, I don't even know if we talked about this at the time, but I, hearing you talk right now, there must have been some, I'm sure that there was something for me that was really comforting about meeting you as a as the trans person that you were or were becoming Aww. because I also don't have that. It was always this way kind of narrative. Mm -hmm. I was always this, like I am very clear that like I lived a good 18 plus years of my life as a girl. And that yeah, was like totally. really important to me. And it might've been a struggle at times because I wasn't like, I was a certain kind of like different alternative girl, but I would never want to cut out that part of my history because right. it was really important. I learned so much. I was socialized as a girl. That's incredibly important to how I move through the world now, right? Yeah. And that's definitely a I point think, of connection yeah. that I see with you in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that time was with you was so important to me and it makes me feel really happy that you know, it went both ways. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So I had gone to social work school um, and got my master's in social work when the kids were 
growing up. I took a class called The Social Construction of Race and Gender. So that helped me learn intellectually to be prepared that, you know, there's a cultural social construction of how we conceive of these things. So I think because of that, I had that class before Buzz ever came out. So because of that, I was open intellectually to the idea of this happening. But I think it took me a while emotionally to kind of get it. And, you know, it takes a while for parents. Like, I think the the trans person has had time to kind of sort it out for themselves and be on a journey before they ever say anything. And then they come out and then the people around them have to go on a journey. And so I had to have a little bit of a journey. Uh, Richard and I did. But we tried to have our journey not to our kids' detriment. You know, we didn't... That's very kind. You know, we love our kids and want to be supportive of our kids. We never... I never thought it wasn't the right thing. You know, I, I respected that Bez and Dane were people and who needed to sort these out on things on their own, no matter how old anybody is. I mean, even little kids, you know, have their emotions and have feelings about they know certain things. And I just, so I respected that, but it just took me a while to go on my own journey before I think Buzz, when you transition, when you did whatever you did to transition, it kind of <laughs> helped. It helped me to see how happy you were. And, you know, that helped me. Buzz, you can answer this, but when Allison says, uh, when your mom says, did what you needed to do to transition, what is she referring to? Do you know? I think that she's referring to kind of breaking away from this idea that transition has to look a certain way, which I think is really cool because, you know, I do feel like this is something that Wesley, you and I talked about many, many years ago, which is like the question of if, you know, and at the time, people like non-binary or genderqueer people weren't really having surgery and going on hormones as much. Like it was less common um, for people that identified that way to do that. I think mostly because of the medical establishment really only letting people, you know, create those medical transitions if they identified as men or as, you know, a binary gender in a certain way. Um, So I think that like, you know, you could go to, what write a thesis paper about the how the medical establishment affects queer communities but that's basically what was happening at the time but we would have conversations you and I about like do genderqueer people transition and I think that was something that we were still kind of wrapping our minds around at the time but I think now so many years later like it's like yes of course like people can transition in different ways and it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's transition is the same experience, but maybe it's not even anyway, even if they are all doing the same, technically like the same medical interventions, um, people have different experiences of their bodies and how they change. So yeah, I mean, I've never taken hormones, but I did get top surgery. So I feel that my transition is complete. I might change my, I almost said change my name. I, I might change my mind at some point, but you know, I think gender is a journey you go through that intersects with aging and your body changing just by gaining weight or, you know, having gray hair or what, whatever, you know, changing jobs. Like there's just so many ways that you move through life that changes how you connect with your body. 
I want to throw something out there. This is making me think of this, but it's going back to kind of an earlier conversation. I think another thing that helped me be accepting of what Buzz and Dane were going through is Buzz also introduced me to a lot of their friends and a lot of people they knew who were trans. So I, early on, I met a lot of trans people and I thought, I think that was really helpful. What was helpful about that for you? I just met a variety of people that all, you know, it's was, it was kind of like they were, they were all a little bit different because they had different personalities, but they all had this in common. And it was just a number of people, you know, and it became a part of my life that I didn't have a vocabulary for transness before. And suddenly I'm having a bigger vocabulary um, mm-hmm. by meeting more people. And, you know, it, um, it was nice. Yeah, for sure. I think part of what was helpful is like that I'm in an art community. And so there were like structured events that were public events that you could come to that were socially appropriate, where I think, I wonder about people that don't have that kinds of, that kind of like professional space to be in where they can invite their parents into because, Mm. you know, I think that it's really kind of contingent on like, what your life is like. I, I always enjoy being at these openings that Buzz has. It's funny because at, at one point, Richard and I said to Buzz, you know, we're the straightest people there, you know, like how boring must we be? And Buzz was like, no, you don't get it. You know, like I appreciate that you are out talking to all my friends and and helping them feel accepted by by cis people. <laughs> I think that like people are surprised to to see you guys being there and being supportive and not being like, like, okay. So like my last, one of my shows in 2019, I think it was at um, the one in the East village. It was, it was a really small gallery and it was really crowded. And there was someone like kind of an acquaintance there when I walked in with dad and he was like, Oh, Hey bus. And like gave me a hug. And I was like, Oh, like this is my dad. And his jaw dropped. And he was like, has your dad seen the art? And my dad was like, oh my God, like pretended to be like really, what's the word? Like um, astonished or astonished or like grossed out or like just kind of taken aback. And it was, I thought that moment of him saying that was so revealing of how comfortable he felt there and how, how accepting and supportive and proud you guys are. And it was just funny to me that like, you guys are more prepared for whatever is going to come than like random ass people. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned this a little bit buzz, but I, what was it like for you? Why did you want to include your mom in your surgery recovery experience? She was open to it. And I think that, I think that she wasn't afraid of it because she had worked in a hospital and she, I think that she was worried about it and like wanted to be my mother through that experience. And I felt that it was important for her to be, to feel included in that. And that, and that I also wanted her there because, you know, I was going to have surgery and I wanted my mom there. And also Dane came, which was really nice that having the two of them there we were in like this weird landscape because the place we stayed 
it was this gay couple owned this house that had a guest house attached to it. And their the grounds of their house, like the front yard and the backyard were a plant nursery in Florida. And so there were like little salamanders everywhere and stuff. It was like very kind of like exotic or picturesque or something. They grew a lot of orchids and palm trees. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was cool. Did they know what you were there for? Yeah. Okay. There were, I had had a friend that stayed there for the same surgery, the same surgeon and everything beforehand. Okay. Yeah. So it was like vetted. Do you have any memories, Allison, about that time that you want to share or feelings that were coming up for you at the time? Well, I'm definitely wanted to be included. So Buzz, thank you for including me. Um, of course. I'm so glad you were there. Yeah. it. I think it really helped me to be there for Buzz to see what Buzz was going through, what the experience was like. You know, I went to the doctor's office. I sat in the lobby. You know, I got a feel for, you know, the experience Buzz was going through. Otherwise, I would have, it would have been just a big unknown for me. So I'm glad I was there. When I went to have surgery, one of the people I had dated briefly that I was like still friendly on good terms with and everything was supposed to have surgery like right before me with the same surgeon. And they were staying at this place that was like, this mansion owned by these two queer people who had both been nurses. And it was like for people to come that were going to have surgery with Garamoni, Dr. Garamoni to stay at this residence and get driven around to their appointments and get their, like these nurses like knew how to do the whole thing. And so it was almost like we were part of this little kind of like temporary, not commune because we weren't staying there, but like little, community that was just kind of it was almost like a vacation community for for patients of double mastectomies both being adjacent to this kind of like underground network of trans people supporting each other and my biological family my family of origin at the same time it was really nice the night before buzz had their week later doctor visit we went to go to a movie with your friend that had surgery and with his brother. And that was fun. And then afterwards, we drove them back to their place. So we got to see that the mansion that they were in and we got a little tour. And we so that was fun. in the pool. And then I was really allergic to the tape on my bandages. And so, and I was like really struggling with that. And so one of the nurses that was at that, whatever New Horizons or whatever it was called, helped me like take the tape off of like the top bandage so that it wasn't as itchy on like the sensitive part of my chest. And I was like, bless these people. It was like amazing. Also, I I forgot to say this before, but my mom was really amazing at like changing my drains, writing down when I had different medications. Like that was so amazing to have that support because I was not in a place to do it. That's definitely something that sounds very mom gender. (laughs) which is a segue right (laughs) um allison how has having two trans children how has that changed the way you think about your own gender that's interesting i think i feel well i've always been a person that well let me back up i think when i was in social work school I became more aware of, you know, the media and its role in showing how they think women should look or act or 
or not act. And I, so, and I was never anyone that really bought into all the media stuff of being hyper feminine. And I think seeing uh, the kids uh, go through their transition, it kind of just helped me relax into being the human that I am and not worry about any what a shit it could is or what I'm supposed to be. You know, I, through the years, have kind of developed into somebody that I don't really like wearing dresses all that much. I will for if I'm getting dressed up. Years ago, like in my late 30s, I stopped wearing high heel shoes. You know, it's like, why have pain and hurt your feet? <laughs> you know, for me personally, I, I used to get manicures, but I would always mess up my nails. And I finally stopped doing it because... I part of it was the environmental impact. I didn't want to be putting chemicals on my fingernails and having chemicals take the the nail polish off and just kind of relaxing, you know, into that. And where I live now in the Berkshires, it's kind of like a lot of women have gray hair and don't dye their hair and and don't wear makeup and don't wear nail polish and wear blue jeans. And I'm kind of fitting into that now. <laughs> so I'm just kind of being free to do live life the way I want to live it. But I still feel feminine. Do you identify as cisgender? Would that be a word yes. that you use? Yeah. yeah. Is that a word that you learned from your kids or somewhere else? Yeah. I definitely learned a lot. Buzz t- did teach me a lot. Buzz is a very good teacher. You're very good at taking information and digesting it and teaching somebody else in a very like easy to understand way. So I did learn a lot of things about gender from Buzz. I think I learned from both kids that gender is how the person feels internally and whatever the person says is what they are at any point in time. And I think Buzz taught me a lot about the history of trans people, about Stonewall and the trans women that led that about different trans leaders. So that's been good for me to learn. I had a private practice from 2013 to 2019. I had lunch with a colleague and and so I was explaining to this colleague that I had two trans kids and that I had also worked um, my first social job out of social work school at, at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center as the breast cancer social worker. So I had a lot of clients who had mastectomies. This other colleague said, you know, in your practice, you should probably see trans people or their family members. And I had never thought of it before. And he said, I said, well, I have this medical background. And he said, but that's perfect because trans people have medical things happen to them sometimes. And it did all kind of come together for me. You know, what happened was there were a lot of therapists who worked with trans people. So it's not like I was the only person. I think people started wanting to come to see me and wanting to refer to me. And I I saw, you know, people who were parents of trans people. And I saw clients who were maybe a sister or brother or sibling. But I had a lot of different trans clients. And they all taught me a lot about being trans too. Especially because I'm only one person. Right. I just wanted to be supportive of the trans community at that point. Mom, what was it like working with the parents of trans people having gone through that yourself? You know, I could empathize with how they were feeling. I mean, different, you know, I I have to protect what my clients 
thoughts and feelings were, you know, I can't go into that, but you know, I had been on that journey too. And I could say to them, you know, it's a journey. You know, I think when people are in therapy, they need to have their feelings validated. But I also, in addition to validating their feelings, I did a little bit of, of educate, psychoeducation on what it's like to be trans and just, uh, just the difference between sex and gender and how identities are formed. And I think that hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. So I would say, you know, that, you know, it, I was out in the fact that I was a parent of, a, of trans kids. So people knew that coming to me. It's not like I was a therapist that you don't know anything about their background. Okay, Buzz, who are your gender icons and role models, a.k.a. do you have a gender root and who is that? So I see I, you I wrote did, a list. I did my homework. I did. I wrote a list. Okay, so here's my list. Young Leonardo DiCaprio. Danny Zuko from Greece, Claude Cahoon, which is like a very on the nose one, Robin Williams in the 90s. I think the silliness factor, like you can be silly and kind of flamboyant was, I think, subconscious. This is all very subconscious. This, none of this was very conscious. Screech from Saved by the Bell, like the nerdy little guy, Chucky from Rugrats. Christian from Clueless, the love interest that turned out to be gay. I really relate to that character in some ways and not others. Pee Wee Herman, I think, is like a very obvious one. Uncle Jesse from Full House, which I have to put an asterisk there because that's one that I'm just now realizing is like in the soup of the gender. And then Lamb Chop. I think Lamb Chop, just the sweetness of Lamb Chop is a huge root for me. I don't know if it's like gender per se but I was so obsessed with Lamb Chop that my parents surprised me and Dane by bringing us to meet Sherry Lewis at a Macy's collaboration event in like 1994 and so I have a signed picture of Sherry Lewis and then also my mom made me a new one that has my chosen name on it and this is really like my mom's like illustration and graphic design style as far as like the lettering and the texture. So it's, wow. I think it's an important piece of the puzzle. I love the revision too. Those are some great answers. And, and some of them are like both crushes and gender roots, which I think. Well, yeah, because that's what, that's the, that's kind of the tension there. It's like, do I exactly. want to be you or do I want to be with you? Because who am yes. I in relationship to you? Exactly. And I think that, that's ultimately how I figured out what my identity is, is being like, oh, like it can be both things. Like we all in our transitions need the person who is slightly more experienced to much more experienced to help us even know what the options are. Yeah. Of what's the gender, the gender doula. Yeah. And you were totally one of mine along with (laughs) Julie Blair. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's and funny. Dane, I feel like, in a lot of ways. yeah, I bet. I mean, our, like gender root, that question is really interesting because obviously there's there's the cultural things that seem very obvious to us, the things that we consumed as children, the things that like we can look back on and be like, oh, that helped me understand myself. But then there are these people in our actual lives, maybe 
prior to our medical transition or prior to even understanding ourselves when you're like, oh, that's possible. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, you meeting me and being like, oh, it's possible to be a gay trans man. You know, the first time I met a trans person in person, I was like, oh, here's a thing that's not just on television in a derogatory way. For example, like Ricky Lake, Jenny Jones, Mm -hmm. Maury Povich. Here's a person living their life. I don't know. There's, I don't have an ending to that thought, but I'm just like, oh, this well, is so just that there's, and that within that, there's so many different people, and like, some of them might resonate with you more than others. Like that's, like the deeper you get into community, it, it's kind of like a menu appears in your mind, and it's not only like the experience of seeing a character or seeing, like, yeah, like a media representation of a person is an actual person who's like looking back at you and like responding to you and reflecting back to you how they perceive you and affirming you is the biggest part. Wesley and I were introduced by Julie Blair, who is a mm-hmm. mutual friend. I spent a lot of time with Julie that year. I would drive down to Williamsburg and stay with her and like every weekend from college, basically, like every weekend I could. And there was this one weekend where she was like, you could be like, like we were kind of like pontificating about my gender. And she was like, you could be like sexy big bird. (laughs) And there was something about creating this like completely fantastical idea of a gender and that being something that was valid and like felt true. Even if, if you take it apart, like it doesn't, each of the parts don't have to be true, but like together you're like, oh, the point of it is that it's fantastical and that it's like outside of what we expect that just opened up so many doors as far as like, oh, I can actually really, you know, self-determine how I want to identify. And like, I can make up a word if I wanted to. I can make up a name. I can do whatever I want. Like, and, and then also like having studied sculpture and using found objects or like thinking about like, what is the material want? Thinking of like the body as a found object and then like adding on mm. or subtracting. And it can be playful. It doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah, I think that was also, that's another thing that I learned from you, Buzz, about gender, is that it doesn't have to be this, like, intense struggle of, like, pain Mm. and wounding (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Right? Like, you can have fun. Yeah. You can can try things and then decide you don't like it. It's the willingness to be experimental with your gender. Yeah. I was wondering, Mom, if you have any gender roots or any images in your mind that helps you think about your gender identity you know as far as the culture you know that was presented in film I always liked Catherine Hepburn and Lauren Bacall because Mm -hmm. they were I identified as a cis woman and they're feminine but they wore pants and they were smart and they didn't really conform to being like a ditzy woman, you know, they talked back. And so I always like them. That's cool. There's a real power to those two women. Oh, yeah. 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 Not that I felt like I had the power that the power that they did at the time, but that I was always attracted to to the way they were. Yeah, it shows you a way that you can be totally you can access. Yeah. Yeah. And also just like being a professional person and not just having to be limited to gender roles that 
were expected or something. Do either of you remember the first time you saw a trans person in popular culture and who you saw? For me, um, and I don't know how old I was, but growing up um, and in the media were Renee Richards and Christian, Christine Jorgensen. You so know, that would have been like in the news, you would see that? Yeah. Yeah. Or news or in Time magazine. Renee Richards was the tennis player, right? Yeah. 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 So that was my first exposure to a trans person. Do you remember what the conversation was about that or anything that you. It was just something that I think that I internally, I just saw by myself. I didn't really talk to anybody about it, I didn't hear anybody make any comments about it. It's just like, this is, this is possible. Like, who knew? It was like something I had never thought of before as being possible. How about you, Buzz? I'm sure that I saw trans women on Jerry Springer. I don't have, like, one particular memory. However, I do have a strong memory of renting Boys Don't Cry from either Blockbuster or We Got Movies, which was, like, our local place. And I think I watched it by myself. I may or may not have watched it with Dane or a friend, but I remember it being kind of like more of a solitary experience of being like, whoa, like that's scary, but also like hot and cool. And then I just remember one of my friends visited Oberlin College when we were like in junior year or whatever. And she visited a friend or her sister and had met a trans man there and came back and was like telling me about this trans man and she was like he was just so striking like she just couldn't think of another word besides striking and I remember at 16 just feeling like so curious and it was just so mysterious I was like what does this person look like because we didn't have iPhones or social media there was no way for me to like see this person she was talking about but I had like a you know an image in my mind and was like well that's cool like my friend is saying that a trans person was cool kind of or maybe that she was surprised she was like attracted to him or something. I don't know. But then, and then, then I think maybe the next time was when I went to Sarah Lawrence, there were some, a few trans people. And then this, the winter that Dane and I were like kind of thinking about our identities or like feeling like we felt connected to trans people, but we're still trying to figure it out. We found the YouTube videos that red julie and charlie were making and mm. the two of us would keep like sending like emailing the links back and forth and being like oh my god did you see this one did you see that one and then we like watched them together when we came home for winter break and so that was like that was when it was like it was going something was happening and it was going yeah youtube was definitely a moment i mean it's still still ongoing but it was a really yeah. different time I think trans people really figured out how to use YouTube to f talk to each other before other communities did, at least to my knowledge. Yeah, I would agree with that. And also I think, but I think trans people have, have been doing that. Trans people have been finding ways to find each other and be in community for as long as trans people have been around, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it was in, in the 90s, it was like FTM International Newsletter. It was Virginia Prince in LA putting out Transvestia magazine. You know, it's always been, even further back, I'm sure, ways that yeah. we can con congregate and find each other and be in that experience together. 
Totally. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about or add to this conversation or stories or reflections or? I'm just so grateful, I think, for my parents being accepting and for my mom putting in so much energy and learning and, you know, teaching it to other people as well. And also just, I just don't want to acknowledge the privilege I have to have access to surgery in the year that I did without, you know, before health insurance was really covering it and all sorts of privileges happening here. Well, I also feel grateful to, for both Buzz, for you and Dane, to be my kids and to be such great kids and to teach me so much about about what it's like. I I feel like trans people are good role models for everybody to be able to look inside and say this and and to have the courage to say this is how I'm feeling and to say it out loud. And I think all people need to do that more. And I don't think all people do that very much. So I'm grateful to you Buzz and Dane for helping me learn about that. And I'm grateful to all trans people for being great role models in that respect. (laughs) Me too. This is the last episode of season two, but don't worry. We'll be back with more. How's Your Gender is a Flash Reads production created and edited by Wesley Flash. Our producer is Oliver Slate Green. The theme song was composed and produced by Emily Bate with lyrical excellence by Charlie Pardon. For more podcast content, you can check out our Instagram at How's Your Gender or follow Wesley at Flash Reads. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests and listeners. Extra special forever thanks to all trans people everywhere across space and time. <laughs>